join me in our responsive welcome. No matter who you are or where you are in life's journey, you are welcome here. No matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. No matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. And you are wanted and you are valued here. We have stories of faith that connect us, whether you're in Connecticut, Colorado, United States, or Europe, or anywhere in the world. The song that we sang, Come and Fill All of My Life, is a great theme song for community empowerment. If the me were the community, we would want God's spirit to come and fill us and to come and be a part of whatever that process might be. Community empowerment is the community organizing principle that we're going to take a look at this morning. And when I first typed that and sent it to Karina, who was making the bulletin, she came up with the image that you see, which is an Amish barn raising. I don't know what your image is for community empowerment, but that's what came to her. And it's a great image because an Amish barn raising invites the community to help accomplish a really big project. And it all happens in a day. It's a time of work. It's a time of playing and eating and chatting and connecting. And throughout the course of the day, it usually takes about eight to 12 hours, depending upon the size, um, the barn is built. It's a beautiful testament to the collective action of a community. The Habitat Blitz build also comes to mind as a collective action. And this is a way that Habitat, Habitat uses blitz build to try to build as many houses as they can in a week. They certainly have a set number of houses. I don't know what that number is, but, but this year the blitz build is October 22nd to the 29th. And we have some church members who are gonna be part of it on Saturday the 29th, and others who will be part of it on Saturday the 22nd. So anyone age 16 and older can be a part of that. It's a beautiful ministry. And if you think about it, you know, Jesus was also trying to accomplish a really big thing. And Jesus recruited people to sort of catch the vision that he was putting forward and to adapt to different ways of living and being in the world. And we're going to turn now to the Gospel of Mark, the sixth chapter. And this is a story about when Jesus was uh, sending out the disciples. He sent them out two by two. But it's also a story about Jesus's reception or lack thereof in his hometown. So listen to these words from the message translation. Jesus left there and returned to his hometown. His disciples came along. On the Sabbath, he gave a lecture in the meeting place and he stole the show, impressing everyone. We had no idea he was this good, they said. How did he get so wise all of a sudden, get such ability? But in the next breath, they were cutting him down. He's just a carpenter, Mary's boy. 
We've known him since he was a kid. We know his brothers, James, Justice, Jude, and Simon, and his sisters. Who does he think he is? They tripped over what little they knew about him and fell sprawling, and they never got any further. Jesus told them, a prophet has little honor in his hometown, among his relatives, on the streets he played in as a child. Jesus wasn't able to do much of anything there. He laid hands on a few sick people and healed them. That's all. He couldn't get over their stubbornness. He left and made a circuit of the other villages, teaching. Then Jesus called the 12 to him and sent them out in pairs. He gave them authority and power to deal with the evil opposition, and he sent them off with these instructions. Don't think you need a lot of equipment for this. You are the equipment. No special appeals for funds. Keep it simple. And no luxury inns. Get a modest place and be content there until you leave. If you're not welcome, not listened to, quietly withdraw. Don't make a scene. Shrug your shoulders and be on your way. Then they were on the road. They preached with joyful urgency that life can be radically different. Right and left, they sent the demons packing. <laughs> they brought wellness to the sick, anointing their bodies, healing their spirits. This is ancient wisdom. Let's see where this wisdom lands us today. An important piece of community empowerment is a willingness to learn from people in the community. And what the scripture does not include is the possibility that rejection can actually be a gift in the process. In some cases, opposition can lead to a better outcome. There's a term that was first coined in 1972 by social psychologist Irving Janus, and it's groupthink. Groupthink is a psychological phenomenon which occurs when people's desires to maintain group loyalty becomes more important than making the best choices. In groupthink situations, it's common for people to set aside their own personal beliefs or to adopt the opinion of the rest of the group. People who are opposed to the decisions or overriding opinion of the group as a whole frequently remain quiet when groupthink is prominent. Instead of speaking up, they prefer to keep the peace rather than disrupt the uniformity of the crowd. Have you ever experienced this? I don't want to be that person who says something, right? I want to let you in on something I've never said publicly, but I've always wanted to. I have a pet peeve. And I always thought, oh, when I start a new ministry, I should tell them this right up front. And I never do. I cannot stand the expression, devil's advocate. 
Because often in these groupthink situations, when someone wants to present a different viewpoint, what do they say? Well, to be the devil's advocate, and in my mind I always say, the devil has enough advocates, just say what you think. <laughs> I, do, I say that every time, so apologies. I know I've said that in my mind in meetings. But I really want you to consider, do you really want to be the devil's advocate? Or do you just have a different way of seeing something? Or do you have a question that just might offer a little bit of a speed bump in a process that seems to be going too quickly? Can it be okay to just say it, speaking for me, without apology? Rather than being the devil's advocate, you also don't want to say, I don't want to be a pain, but... And granted, there might be people saying, oh, they're such a pain. <laughs> but, you know, that shouldn't stop us. Because we're not just a community. We are a covenant community. And by comparison, a covenant community, when it comes to empowerment, it requires that we listen with curiosity and not judgment as hard as that is. But we listen with curiosity and trust that sharing different, not as a sport or just to be a contrarian, again, listening to someone who has a different perspective, if it's something they are genuinely thinking or something that they're feeling, like, I got a, I got a feeling about this. I can't really name it, but something doesn't feel right. I have a video to share with you, and then we'll come back to that. Karina? Hey everyone. My name is DJ Korchin. I'm an author and illustrator that lives in Chicago, Illinois, here in the United States. And I recently wrote a book called A Thousand No's. I'm sure it's a word none of you have ever heard before. But I'm really excited to share it with you because it's coming out this August and you'll be some of the first to hear it. It's illustrated by Dan Doherty, who's a good friend of mine and an amazing artist. I'd love to read it to you now and see what you think. Here we go, a thousand no's. She had a great idea, or at least she thought she did. That's when she got her first no. It was heavy. It was hard to carry, and it kind of hurt. It's just one no, she thought. Surely I can handle one no. Then she got a second no. Ugh! This no was heavier than the last, and it was harder to carry, and it hurt even more. She tried to stop them, but the no's got inside her idea. Her idea got bigger. Enough, she thought. Then another no. And another. And another. Not only did her idea get heavier, but it got poked and twisted and it started to change shape. Her idea got so big, it was clear she needed help. She wasn't sure how she felt about someone else helping with her idea. After all, it was her idea. But this called for drastic measures. Really drastic measures. No after no after no came. Some of them made her idea challenging. Some of them made it easier. Some split it into pieces. There were just so many no's. She needed more and more people to help. 
But soon, something interesting happened. She began to get curious about what her idea might end up looking like. In fact, it became fun for everyone to add more no's and see how her idea would change and grow. No, 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 no. No 997, no 998, no 999. And on the thousandth no, she looked up and saw her great idea. It didn't look anything like it did before, but she was okay with that. The end. Have you ever had a no turn out to be a gift? <laughs> Something you really wanted to be a yes, and it turned out to be a no, or uh, there were intermediary no's before it became something else. Christine Edstrom was going to be with us this morning. Uh, she learned, unfortunately, yesterday that her grandmother had passed away, um, so she's not able to be with us. But when I shared that video with Christina, she shared a story about one of the times when she got a lot of no's, and she said, oh my God, I've gotten thousands of no's. Um, and, you know, no doesn't always come in no. Sometimes it comes in different ways, doesn't it? It says, oh, I don't think we're ready for this. Or, I'll get back to you, and folks don't get back to you. Or, I'm not sure that's a good fit. Or, hmm, I might need some more time with that. So there's no's, and there's not yet, and there's other qualifications. But the point is, it's, it's a little bit of what can feel like pushback but it's in addition to the process. So Christina shared this story. She said she was all set to start the Healthy Drinks in Kids meal campaign and had done a lot of work already when the Marshall Fire happened. And after listening to lots of folks, um, they said, you know, we really can't start this campaign right now. What we're really concerned about is the mental health of the community's kids following the fire. So Christina did something really courageous. Christina and her team, they took a step back. They took a step back from the sugary drinks campaign and got a grant for using outreach about how to support mental health in kids through music. Completely different. It totally changed the direction of the campaign. But you see, while it did change the direction of the campaign, it held on to the underlying value, the value of the health and wellness of youth, right? I mean, that's what, for Christina and her team, that's what's behind the sugary drinks campaign. So they had that in common, care for the youth. And so she did a pivot. And the bonus is that now that the community knows that we're listening to them, that they were able to step back and completely pivot, they're much more open to listening to us. And we've made some wonderful connections. Community organizing has an element that's about listening and stepping back. And as a church community, as a covenant community, we also need to recognize that God is at work and that God can be at work in the unfolding and sometimes the redirecting. 
There's a difference between forcing and inviting. What's important is remembering the underlying value. I served a church in Guilford, Connecticut, that for the first 200 years in a different building than the one we had currently been occupying, they did not have a cross in their sanctuary. Now that might be surprising to some of you, but if you're familiar with Puritan history, it's not that shocking. There was a belief that any kind of image um, could be an idol. And this was the belief that was held by this group of people. But after about 200 years, people changed, people came and they went, and someone started to say, how come we don't have a cross in our sanctuary? And it got to a point where they would have conversations and they would have meetings about it, and there was one person that was vehemently opposed to this. But because it was a covenant community, he continued to participate in the conversations. He continued to participate in the life of the community. It did come down to a vote, and the vote was to have a cross. And so at the end of the vote, the person who was vehemently opposed raised his hand and said, I would like to um, offer a gift. And they said, so they were a little shocked, actually. They're like, okay. He said, well, you know, since it's obvious that the community wants this, um, and I am a craftsman, I would like to make the cross that will hang in our sanctuary. And they said, okay, that's splendid. And it, it became a beautiful symbol of what it means to be a covenant community, that things don't always go the way you think they're going to go, or they don't always go the way you want them to go. And just because someone has a loud voice and a big no doesn't mean that they that it goes the way they want. In fact, what I think happens is that when we listen to people that are very distraught and, very, and vehemently opposed, I know I use that word, I think it helps when people in the community can just say, we hear you. We understand you don't want this. Thank you for sharing. When someone is heard, I think, it makes it easier to hear yourself. And to walk away from a conversation and say, I wonder why I'm so strongly opposed to this. I wonder why I really think this is like the worst idea in the world. And then maybe we learn something about ourselves and maybe it connects to something. Maybe it doesn't, but maybe it does. Come and fill all of my life come and fill all of my life. The song we sang, right? When the spirit is at work, even the people who are opposing might be gifted with an insight or some information, as well as the people who are, who are trying to get an idea off the ground. There was also in Colorado a colleague of mine who serves at an urban church. He said that they had this ongoing challenge. You know, during the pandemic, the church building was closed. Nobody was coming to church. And during that lapse, people who were experiencing unemployment and homelessness found those steps to be a nice gathering spot. And it took some time before people even noticed 
But then they began to notice and were like, you know, we're going to start opening those doors. Now what? And so one person said, well, I think we should put up a sign. No loitering. Someone said, you know, I think, I think there's also bathroom issues here, so I think we should get a porto potty and move it on the other side of the property. We need access to our building. It's our building. So the pastor listened to the concerns and insisted that, you know, it's true, it is your building, and you really can do anything you want, but if we're a covenant community, the one thing I'm going to ask you to do before you do anything is to talk to the people who have been congregating on the steps. Oh, no, we can't do that. (laughs) Here's one of the problems with groupthink that I didn't mention, it's that we start to think for other groups. Oh, they must need a porta potty Oh, we just have to put up a sign. No. Pastor said, you just have to do this one thing. So they invited the people to a conversation, and guess what? Three people came. And what they learned was that one of the people was actually related to a church member. It was someone that had been missing. You know how that happens sometimes with people experiencing homelessness. People fall off the radar and family doesn't know where they are. Well, this person had been found. They also learned that someone was pregnant and needed health care. They didn't need a porta potty, they needed health care. And the three people who came, of course they understood. Oh, you're gonna be opening up the doors again. How wonderful. Of course we can move not contentious in any way, actually quite beautiful, and the beginning of ongoing conversations. One of the important elements of being a covenant community and being a community that empowers others is that our covenant also includes God. It's not just us working alone, which is why the surprise element is such a gift. It's helpful to remember when the disciples asked Jesus, teach us how to pray, part of the prayer that Jesus shared was, thy will be done. How would your conversations go differently, your difficult conversations, the ones you anticipate being difficult? or even the ones that you think are going to be a pleasure when you're just presenting something new, if you started with the reminder, Thy will be done. See what you want to do with this, God. I'm going to put it in your hands. I'm going to try not to get defensive and try not to think that my idea is the best idea ever. Or even just a simple question. What do you want, God? What do, if not this, what? Show me. I'm sort of actually honestly doing this now with the office position. What do you want, God? How are we going to fill this position? (laughs) What does staffing need to look like in the office? Need your help. Surprise me. Please. (laughs) Now. (laughs) All right, too much of my inner thoughts, but you get where I'm going, right? So with God as a partner, all things are possible. I do believe, and I love this verse, 
All things work together for good for those who love God and are calling, called according to God's purposes. All things work together for good. That doesn't mean all things are good. It just means that it's not over until it is. Every no, isn't, it's not the end. No is not the end until you get to yes. So it just may not take the shape that we initially imagined. And with that in mind, I'm reminded of a beautiful saying that I first saw in the monastery of Christ in the Desert, which is in New Mexico. And it says, the difficult we must begin immediately. The impossible is going to take a little bit longer.